Welcome to the one and only Interior Design Book Podcast. Decorating by the Book, hosted by Susie Chase from her dining room table in New York City. Join Susie for conversations about the latest and greatest interior design books with the authors who wrote them. Good morning. I'm Michael Cox of Foley and Cox, and I am excited to talk this morning about our first book, Language of Home. Language of Home presents the work of Foley and Cox, a New York-based interior design firm. So tell me a little bit about your background in design and a little bit about the firm. Well, my background, um, I often talk to the fact that I had um, 10 years of postgraduate design work on some levels um, at Ralph Lauren. I was there from 92 to 2002 and had an incredible um, opportunity to learn so many different aspects of the entire home industry. Um, I had the opportunity to work on lifestyle development and showroom design and eventually became a product manager developing fabrics and wall coverings and going to print mills and and woven mills and eventually got into furniture design and development for the company and got to work on developing furniture in places as diverse as Chile and Indonesia and the Philippines, which led to some antique resourcing and and beginning to develop some global resource networks um, from places like Paris and Bali and London. Um, And towards the end of my um, tenure there, worked on launching Ralph Lauren Interiors. And that's where I really found the culmination of all those experiences come together through the direct client interaction uh, and working on residential interior design. Um, and that's what led to launching Paul Cox Interiors um, in 2002. So I had David Jimenez on the show, and he wrote Parisian by Design. And he told me he used to rearrange his furniture in his house growing up. Did you always love interior design from an early age? I did on some levels. You know, I remember as a little boy being excited to go and with my mom to pick out like new wallpaper for the living room and, and, you know, kind of playing with the, she collected owls. And so I like helped her, you know, always work on displaying her owls and little things like that. So I, I always had a focus on those kind of details. So the Foley and Cox portfolio is diverse, ranging from elegant pre-war apartments in Manhattan to retreats in the Hamptons and summer places along the coast of New England and in Europe, and even a private jet and a yacht. What would you say unites these spaces? You know, I, I really appreciate you recognizing that diversity because it's a very important part of, of who we are as a firm. I think when we meet a new client and begin to discuss our approach and our philosophy, we really talk a lot about how it really begins with the homeowner, you know, the, the new client. Therefore, the end product the result has to be diverse because we're we're fortunate to work with you know a, a wide variety of you know unique successful creative people and when you put the homeowner first and you really focus on connecting and listening and learning uh, through a lot of discussions and and 
you know, real dialogue. And that's, I think, one of the most important things that leads to a a diverse portfolio. Um, But other significant aspects of um, our approach that I think translates across all of the spectrum of work is, you know, having a real respect for the architecture, um, wanting to kind of understand, you know, the architectural references and make sure that we are, you know, incorporating interiors that feel appropriate and um, in place. Um, And then things like the integration of the location, you know, identifying indigenous materials to wherever you are working if you're you know working in montana the the local ironwork there is very different than you know the ironwork that you are experiencing when you're working in a place like austria um and so you know incorporating the location um through things like the local hand of craftsmen is is an important aspect of that that shows up in our work you know, ultimately, I think one of the most fundamental aspects of our philosophy is that is that timeless always triumphs over trendy. Even in our kind of most modern or contemporary work, there's there's still a reference to elements that are are really timeless design and design classics. So you were chatting about you know, beginning with the homeowner. Do clients ever reference a feeling like, I want the place to be calm, or I want it to envelop me, that sort of thing? Absolutely. You know, language of home is, you know, not an accidental title. And it's it's really linked to the, the dialogue and the conversation. And ev- every client and every human comes with their own you know, vocabulary set, if you will. And so um, part of our goal is to really help interpret the words um, and get to the feelings um, that the client wants to ultimately evoke. You know, it's it's our mission statement, really. Our mission statement is create sanctuary and evoke delight. So language of home is organized in three sections, waterfront, cityscapes, and countryside. I'd love for you to discuss one residence in each section. So for waterfront, the residence is called Shingled on the South Fork. This particular home was an opportunity to rethink the design of a summer house on Little Peconic Bay on Long Island, New York. And for people who aren't familiar, the South Fork includes most of the Hamptons. So this home started as a renovation, and then you had to change gears. How come? Well, the clients were lucky enough to acquire an existing house on a spectacular property. We intended to begin, you know, working with the, the house that existed, but once the walls were opened up and and the the program for the house and how the family wanted to live began to evolve and, and get established, it was determined that, you know, really the existing infrastructure didn't support all of those goals. So we shifted gears and stuck with the the vision and um, luckily uh, ended up with this beautiful result. The expansive living room has sweeping views of the bay and opens up to the deck and outdoor seating and dining. When I think about a Hamptons home, I immediately conjure up a blue and white palette. But you chose black and white for the living room, and I found it an interesting choice for a coastal color scheme. 
Thank you. Um, and and it was, again, very intentional. Fortunately, we had um, worked with this client before and had a great kind of, you know, trust level established and kind of an understanding. And really, they challenged us to think boldly. And we said, okay, it is the classic, the, the blue and white. And so how, how are we going to start with a classic, but update it a little bit and kind of do a twist on the tradition? You know, it's 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 a, a short step from blue and white to black and white, um, but it just was, again, a little bit more of a bold choice. And it, it played really nicely with the elements in this space. So it was really reflective of kind of a modern collector with, with global influences. So you see, you know, a Scandinavian chair and, and an African cocktail table and an Indonesian side table and, and a Japanese floor lamp. And and so it, it the black and white just, I think, suited that kind of spirit a little bit. I would also love for you to chat about the use of stripes throughout this house. Again, thank you for noticing that detail. We oftentimes think about identifying some interesting thread of continuity um, so that even if different rooms or zones have distinct personalities, there's a subtle underlying, again, thread of continuity. And and in this house, it, it was our play on Stripes. And so you see them showing up in a lot of different areas and in different places from pillows to upholstery to floor coverings. So I'm also curious about the design flow in this home. The dining room, which is bold and dramatic, versus the living room, which is comfortable and refined. Could you just chat a little bit about your design flow philosophy? Design flow really um, is significantly impacted by the actual architectural layout. And here it was pretty much an open plan. And that was, again, what they wanted based on how they lived as a family and how they wanted to just be able to kind of flow from one space into another. And so we were intentional about creating zones within that open plan that had their own sense of space and their own personality, but was still cohesive to the eye. So now let's move to cityscapes. And the residence is eloquent on the park. In New York City, it doesn't get much better than a Robert A.M. Stern building. The firm is best known for its massive residential projects made from time-honored materials like brick and limestone. Really, really iconic New York City buildings. So with this home, you chose modern furnishings and contemporary art in contrast with the sophisticated classic architectural detail. Please chat a little bit about that. Well, thank you for highlighting some of my favorite projects in the book. I mean, it's it's a little bit hard to ultimately choose your, your favorites because you're connected to all of them and it's like choosing a favorite child. But this one was, was especially close to us because it was just a wonderful relationship with the clients. We did this pied-à-terre for them and, and they're filmmakers and art collectors and they're just joyful people and, and we had a great connection and And the space obviously was phenomenal. And, you know, walking in and having this jaw-dropping view as your backdrop, adding into that the impactful collection of of painting and sculpture and photography that they brought to to the project really immediately gave us the cue that 
the, the furnishings needed to be very subtle. We wanted them to be, you know, a softly welcoming kind of background to all of these other incredibly spectacular views and art. And, and we didn't want the the interior furnishings to kind of compete with those elements. I love it because that tonal monochromatic approach keeps your focus on the view of the skyline. And, and that's the drama of the space. You know, I live in the West Village, and when I first looked at this apartment, I did a quick run-through because, you know, per use, there are like maybe 20 people behind you who want the apartment. So I ran in. I said, it's perfect for us. We signed the papers, and we moved in. And that evening, I realized we had an incredible view of the Empire State Building out of both bedrooms. You know, there's something so magical about that New York City skyline. Oh, absolutely. It's so iconic and it's like the heartbeat of of this this amazing place that that we all live in. The client said, and I will quote, Foley and Cox have left an indelible imprint on our lives and in our home. They seek to find the most personal of every detail and every consideration and opportunity they choose for their clients. The greatest compliment we can pay the designers and their extraordinary team is that not a day goes by when we don't think about or reflect on their exquisite taste and design acumen. Now, That is lovely. And I'm just wondering how important is the designer-client relationship to the design process? It's probably the single most important aspect of the process from our perspective. It is fundamental to the aesthetic success, but it's also incredibly important for the enjoyment of the process. And, and the result. These are spaces that we want the clients to feel happy and joyful in for many, many years. And that can't happen unless there's a very deep connection. And, you know, through the process of getting to know the clients and kind of getting inside their heads, there's a real, you develop a real intimacy when you are sharing the development of a dream and an aspiration. Um, So it's a large part of why we love what we do is because we have these very deep relationships with our clients. So do you think that deep relationship goes along with the interpretation of someone's vision? Or have you had a deep relationship with a client and you just weren't on the same page? We have had clients who certainly have challenged our aesthetic parameters, if you will. You know, we had a one client who has an incredible passion for the color red. And that was not a color that you saw often, for example, in in, in the traditional Foley and Cox palette. But by working closely together and figuring out how to interpret the the passion for red, we ended up developing this spectacular primarily red dining room with vintage bell jars that we had sourced from Sri Lanka that were in this beautiful ruby red color and then had cherry blossom hand-painted wallpaper on the walls that had shades of reds and pinks in in the hearts of the flowers. And so there's a way to incorporate any passion as long as, you know, there's a dialogue and you know, a willingness to allow the creative process to 
develop. Uh, now moving on to the countryside. And this residence is called Bespoke in Austria. And speaking of relationships, this young Austrian couple was the nephew of a longtime client of yours. And they wanted an integrated palette for their dream home at the base of the Kaiser Mountains in Austria. First off, what's an integrated palette? I'm glad you asked because, again, sometimes we have these things in our own head that seem so normal and natural. It's part of like the way we think, but sometimes, you know, we recognize that we we have to explain something. So for us, an integrated palette um, really meant um, incorporating once again, the, the place and, and the location and really having the colors of the land and, and the views and the mountains flow into the interiors so focusing on natural colors and elements like lichen and moss and cork and stone and kind of weaving those into all of the interior so that there was an unbroken flow of the eye between the interior and the exterior view. Could you describe their property a little bit? It's a magnificent piece of land that they had looked for for many years. And we um, built this new home for them on a working farm that is evolving each year. So they have, for example, existing fruit orchards that they are cultivating and kind of bringing back to life. Um, They have an established bee farm, and now they have um, cattle on the property. Now you can now when you're on the property, see cattle grazing out in that view. I would love for you to chat a little bit about the traditional Alpine lifestyle and how you interpreted it. Well, honestly, it was very much a a learning experience for us, you know, being American. And we had started working for the uncle about 20 years ago. And at that point, we were very much diving into learning about Tyrolean style and the Austrian traditions. And we bought, you know, every book that we could find and traveled a lot um, from Vienna to Salzburg and and Kitzbühel and all these places. Um, and to really immerse ourselves in the culture and, and have an understanding of the tradition. So, t- you know, 20 years or maybe 15 years later, when this project was brought to us, we we already had some understanding of the culture. And so we talked and thought about the the integrity of, of real materials, having, you know, hand-hewn wood and reclaimed beams and wrought iron and steel and we worked with local resources and developed things with local artisans and really, you know, made sure that the materials grounded the house to the, to the location. I think this is a great example of how you routinely source local elements. Yes. I mean, the best example I can give is, is that, you know, as we came to understand the traditions of how materials like the loden and the deerskin and the embroidery are part of the lederhosen. We were able to identify those as as base materials and then think about how we were going to incorporate those in a fresh new way into some of the design details that we were going to make for the house. I adore that barrel vaulted ceiling. Can you please chat about that? 
Yes, that was really a, a fun detail to work on. And in this project, we really were given a big opportunity to influence um, a significant amount of the interior architecture. We knew that we were working with a certain amount of square footage and this magnificent view of, of these mountains. And so we we really wanted to kind of come up with a ceiling detail that was strong enough to support that that view, but that felt, again, that it was based in a history and a tradition. And so we actually took beams that, that were on, on the property in a, in a home in a barn that they had to take down to build this house. We took those some of those beams and incorporated those into the ceiling um, with, with the brick in between. I love the juxtaposition between the natural materials you used on the seating and the pillows and the drapes in contrast with the brick ceiling and the wood floor. This palette happens to be really a personal favorite. I think that these colors are some of the colors that we kind of look best in and, you know, are feel most at home in, you know, the, the browns and the creams and the greens, they're, they're just honest colors from nature using materials like the, the fluffy shearlings and mossy herring bones and really refined lodens, natural linens, and, you know, the, the very rugged leathers, all of those materials establish a real, again, sense of place. When I think of light fixtures, chandeliers, etc., I either love it or I hate it. There's really no no in between. And in this residence, there's so many interesting lighting elements. I'd love to hear about the process of landing on the perfect light fixture. Uh, I'm glad that you noticed because lighting is something that we really prioritize and it's often one of the most challenging and kind of final aspects that we get to once all of the other elements of the space are defined. You know, for example, in this in this living room, we were so focused on the elements of earth and the materials in the room and the details of the ceiling. And once all that came together, we were like, what is going to be an appropriate fixture to hang um, from the ceiling in this space and found this very clean lined, simple, contemporary fixture that feels a little bit like our exclamation point hanging from the ceiling. Yes. Um, and yet doesn't obstruct the view. It's it's a very strong but subtle statement. So it was one of the last um, elements that we found for the space. So could you give us one decor idea to use if we're on a budget? It might sound a little unorthodox, but I have often suggested for a person to look at a room a space that they they'd like to reimagine and empty it clear the space and experience it completely empty and allow yourself to reimagine you what you want it to feel like it doesn't involve any money to clear a space but it it actually opens up your mind to begin to see it differently and create a blank slate so that you begin to think about the feelings you want that space to evoke when you put it back together. 
That's so smart. Yeah, I was just going to say, when you clear the space, you clear your head. Yes, exactly. That can be your new motto for 2023. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have a store up in Hudson called Foley and Cox Home. And for several years before Marie Kondo became as famous as she is, we we carried her book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And there are really some elements there that are fundamental in terms of clearing a space so that you can begin to, to see it in its future evolution. Where can we find you on the web, social media, and your shop? Our website is foleyandcox.com. And we are also on Instagram as foleyandcox. And we have our store in Hudson which is called Foley and Cox Home. And we have a website for the store called Foley and Cox Home. It's an e-commerce site. And we also have an Instagram page for our retail store as well. This has just been so great. Thank you, Michael Cox, for coming on Decorating by the Book podcast. Thank you, Susie, so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you this morning. Follow Decorating by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the one and only Interior Design Book Podcast. Decorating by the Book.